going to have a good time today as we look together at the Word. I want you to look with me at John chapter 3. A familiar passage for many of you. You've probably heard this many times, but hopefully you'll hear it afresh this morning, and I hope that God will speak to you in a way that will really make a difference. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they're old, Nicodemus asked? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we've heard your word read. Now, Lord, we pray that you would continue to speak to us through your Spirit, that we can have deeper understanding. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the 1970s, I played football in high school for Coach Harry Fry. Now, our football team, if you were to number all of our plays, you would find that we didn't run a lot of plays on offense and we didn't run a lot of different plays on defense. We had a very, very, very small playbook. As a matter of fact, we uh, didn't have sophisticated assignments. Uh, we ran virtually no trick plays. Coach Harry Fry believed in executing the fundamentals well, blocking, tackling, doing one's assignments, and conditioning. So when football season began in the hot summer sun and continued through the fall, every practice we would execute those fundamentals. And guess what? It must have worked because we were really good. My school played Patty School, and they absolutely hated us, okay? They hated us. It's a miracle that she married me because of the Gate, of the Gate City football team, and I played for that team. But during my junior year, we won the state championship. Every year I was in high school, we were in the playoffs. My senior year, we went deep into the playoffs. There's something about executing the fundamentals that work. Now, over the past month... Uh, Pastor Jacqueline and I have been sharing with you about transformation. And we've looked at how important it is that every dimension in our life be transformed. That we're healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, socially. And now today we're going to talk about being whole spiritually. And I want to go to a very basic part of our spiritual development. A very a, a, a fundamental basic aspect of our spirituality, which is critical for all of us. And we're going to overhear it in the story of a man called Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was an intriguing, and he is an intriguing character in the Bible. 
His name is only found and his story is only found in the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, there are only three instances where Nicodemus appears in the story that John tells. But yet in those instances, we learn a great deal about this character named Nicodemus. You see, Nicodemus was a really religious and pious Jew. He was a member of a sect called the Pharisees who were very serious and committed to their religious faith. They were a group who wanted to ensure that everybody, including themselves, believed the right way. They believed in orthodoxy. By the way, orthodoxy is right belief. And they wanted to ensure that anyone who came a part of their sect believed the right way. And so they taught and they ensured that people were schooled in what was the right way of believing and thinking. Not only were they committed to right belief, they were also committed to right practice called orthopraxy. They were committed to ensure that people, including themselves, did what God wanted them to do. They were intent on learning what the Old Testament law said and carrying that out. And so, they read and they studied their scripture daily. They prayed three times a day. They were very committed to the practice of tithing. They were very committed to the practice of the Sabbath, where they would rest and practice worship. They were very committed to following the the holy days and doing what was prescribed by the law. They were committed to doing things the right way. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now, some of the Pharisees could be rather fanatical in their belief and in their practice, but yet most were sincere folk who were really devoted to doing what God wanted them to do. You know, Nicodemus would be a guy that you would like having as your next-door neighbor. Nicodemus would have made a good next-door neighbor. Nicodemus was not only one who was very religious and pious, both in what he believed and what he did, he was also a person who had gained respect of the people, and he was a person of influence. John describes Nicodemus as a ruler, as a ruler. He was a person who had some power and authority, and he also had influence. We know that Nicodemus was a part of the ruling council in Jerusalem, which we sometimes call the the Sanhedrin, And, and he was an influential member of that ruling group in Jerusalem. So when, you, when it comes to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a pretty neat guy. As a matter of fact, if he today were a member of Udawa Church, he would be present this morning. He'd probably be seated up close to the front, maybe on the front row. He might be seated there pretty close to Pastor Jacqueline. Um, and, and he would be engaged right now in this sermon. He wouldn't be thinking about what's going to happen in the playoffs this afternoon in the NFL. He would be focused in on the sermon. Uh, he would be a member of a small group, uh, maybe a Sunday school class. Uh, in all likelihood, he would actually be uh, either a leader of that class or the teacher of 
that particular class. Uh, when he would leave the sanctuary, he would be sure to put his tithe, 10% of what he had made in the offering box as he left. Uh, he would be one that would be uh, involved in some kind of ministry in the church and, and, and uh, be active in reaching out. In other words, he would be a very devoted, committed part of the church. That's who Nicodemus was. Now, you've got to understand all that to understand this story. You've got to understand that to understand this story. John also tells us that Nicodemus had some spiritual discernment. He could sense when God was moving in the world, and he and some of his colleagues had been in conversation about this man named Jesus, and they were convinced that this man named Jesus, who was doing all these miraculous signs, must be a person on a mission from God. God was with him. And so Nicodemus came to find Jesus. Now, John, you've got to understand this about the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a wonderful book, and I would recommend that you read through the book of John, and the more you read it, just kind of the more that jumps off the page as you read through the Gospel. Stories are easy, but yet John has a way of using language. And John never says anything just incidentally or by mistake. His choice of words and phrase, ideas, and pictures are very intentional. And he tells us something about this encounter that Nicodemus had with Jesus by saying that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Now, that's not because... Nicodemus had worked all day and didn't have any time to find Jesus during the daylight hours. What John is trying to tell us is that Nicodemus is still in the dark. He hasn't quite been illumined yet. The light hasn't fully shone upon him. Something is lacking for Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus seems to be a very kind guy because when he greets Jesus, he says to Jesus, he says, Rabbi. Now, that is a title of honor, by the way. Rabbi in Hebrew is literally a teacher. He's calling him a teacher. Rabbis were exalted in, in, in Hebrew culture. And, and so he was putting Jesus up here. And then he says to Jesus, he said, Jesus, says, you must be really special because no one can do what you're doing unless God sent him. But Jesus didn't continue on with that. You know, if you get someone comes up to you and, and gives you kind of an honorable title, uh, like one of the titles in my, uh, for, that I have is that of doctor. And you know, I like for people to call me Dr. Kilburn. It makes me feel more sophisticated than I really am. But, it, you know, I like to hear that. Don't you, Dr. Gines, don't you like to hear that? So, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but, you know, we like the titles and we like it when somebody notices what we've been doing and been good. But Jesus didn't go there. He flipped the conversation, and he said to Nicodemus, he said, unless a person is born anew, 
That person can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus' words indicated to Nicodemus that there was something lacking in his life. This good, righteous, pious, committed, discerning man, there was still something lacking in his life. I suspect that there's still a lot of Nicodemuses around. People who participate in the life of their church, maybe they're present and involved. Maybe there's people that claim to have some relationship with God, and maybe they're not so involved with the church, but they're good, decent people. And maybe there's some people that really don't have any at all, but there's something lacking. They're kind of like Nicodemus. There's something more. There's something fundamental that they're missing They need a spiritual transformation. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless you are born again, you'll miss the kingdom. Unless you are born anew, you'll miss the kingdom. Now, this concept of the kingdom of God, by the way, is big. As a matter of fact, Pastor Jacqueline and I could start now, and we could start next Sunday preaching a sermon series on the kingdom of God, and we could go till the fall and still only have covered that much about the kingdom. I mean, it is a big subject. But in a nutshell, what is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is a reality, a dimension where God rules supremely and the people who are part of the kingdom are fully submitted to God. God reigns in righteousness and justice. It is a place where people experience peace and joy. As a matter of fact, what is experienced in the kingdom is the fullness of life. The fullness of life that nearly every human being, every human soul longs to have and to experience. And that life can only be had and known in the kingdom. The kingdom has a now reality and then a future reality. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you want to experience that, you must have this transformative experience. This transformative experience. You must experience this. He said, if you don't have that experience, he said, first of all, you can't see the kingdom. See the kingdom. That means... That people who have not experienced this fundamental spiritual transformation really don't understand what God has for them. They don't understand. They can't see it. They may have a sense, and someone may tell them a bit about it, and they may understand a little bit, but it it requires this spiritual transformation to begin to understand and appreciate the kingdom. 
And Jesus also said, unless you have this spiritual transformation, you can't enter that kingdom. You're always going to be on the outside of it. You're never going to be able to be in and fully enjoy what God has inside this new dimension. So what is this spiritual transformation that we have here in the New International Version translated being born again? By the way, this word that modifies born, what sometimes we translate as again, it has multiple meanings. This adverb has multiple meanings. The two most common meanings are what we find in most of our translations, either to be born again or to be born from above. To be born again or to be born from above. And scholars debate which Jesus really intended, what John intended in the gospel. And some will argue for one and some will argue for the other, and I will argue for both because it makes a lot better sermon. But I think it makes true in the reality of what Jesus intended. When Nicodemus heard Jesus' words, he took it as being born again a second time. And he asked this, and maybe it's kind of tongue-in-cheek or sarcastically, that he said, Are you saying that the person has to go through the birth process again? How's that possible? But Jesus went on to tell him, he said, Nicodemus, you're not quite getting it. There is a physical birth. We come into this world through a physical birth. But then there is a spiritual birth that needs to take place. Something that God does. It's something that the Spirit does. It's something that God does to us, in us, and through us. God is at work to birth us as a new person into the kingdom. This birth is from above. It's something God does. You can't born yourself again. You can't make yourself new. Now, a lot of times we try to do that. We try a lot of kind of things to make us feel better, to make us renew our lives. You know, we, we change jobs. We marry somebody else. We uh, move to a new neighborhood. We, we, we try a lot of things, a lot of exercises, a lot of stuff to try to make things new for us. But what our soul is longing for, this new birth, is only possible because God does it. And there's mystery involved with this. It's not something that I can explain to you in a way that any of us can fully understand. I can't even explain it to you fully because I don't know that I fully understand. Because there is a, it's cloaked in mystery. It's something that God does that's miraculous and is made possible by the cross. You must be born from above. You must be born anew. This idea of new. It's such a centered theme in the Bible. You know, God likes doing stuff new. God loves to renew things. Isaiah wrote the words from God saying, See, 
I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Peter in the New Testament wrote, But keeping with his, God, God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I don't think there will be a COVID there either. God's going to make all things new. Then, near the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we find these words. Behold, God says, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. Now, guess what? God is in the making new business. And the making new is not just of creation in general, but it is also making us new, new birth. And Paul wrote of this himself when he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from God. Basic, fundamental, spiritual transformation. You must be born again. You must be born from above to experience the kingdom. You know, when you were born the first time, when you were born physically, you had really nothing to do with any of that process. Uh, you know, just because you're just kicking inside your mama's belly didn't make you come any faster. I mean, it you, you know, you came because it was time for you to come. Nature did its thing. Those attending the birth process, they were there. I mean, you really had nothing to do with it. You just came into this world. But with the second birth, with the birth from above, you do have a part in that. Now, it's from God. You can't make it happen. You can't do it. God does it. It's done because of what Jesus did for us. But you have a part, and that part is whether you allow God to do that work for and in you. God doesn't force stuff on us. We can resist God. We can resist the Holy Spirit. But we allow God to do God's work. You see, John chapter 3 has what we know is the most known and quoted verse of Scripture in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, what? Believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And there's our part. To believe. To trust in Jesus. To give our allegiance to God through Christ. That opens the door of this new birth. God wants us to all to experience that fundamental transformative act of new birth, birth from above. And we do so when we trust in Jesus. Now I'm sure that many of you here have had that experience and are walking in right relation with God. But there may be some here today that have never experienced that new birth. And like many of us who have experienced that new birth, many of us came to a place like this and we nailed and just asked Jesus to come into our hearts and to make us new and to forgive us our sins 
And it's amazing what he did. Some even have had that experience away from an altar in other places. But today as the band comes in just a moment to lead us in our final hymn, this altar is open. And if you come, Pastor Jacqueline, myself, Brandon, uh, we'd be glad to pray with you so that you might experience this fundamental step of new birth. Let's join together in prayer. Father, today we give you thanks for this spiritual transformative birth that you bring. And Lord, I pray that if for any here that doubt that they've ever experienced that new birth, that this would be the day that they would say yes to you and experience that transformation. And Lord, I pray that you do your work now in Jesus' name.